what is what's tooling are we to- tooling around <laughs> yeah it's it's that weird nerd instinct to get obsessed with gear and stuff that happens i think happened when i was a musician as well that's oh, the amount of time and money you can spend obsessing over guitar pedals and preamps and all that kind of stuff um yeah that transfers over into code as well you know the programming world i think people are as obsessive over their machines and their software as musicians are over their guitars and their pickups uh, so i think a good question to answer for newbies would be what tooling do you need um because i think there's definitely a lot of stuff that i would say that i need but when i drill down into it not much of that is actually essential yeah so what are the tools of the trade and what's the bare minimum for being able to become a programmer i guess yeah, I think so. We could look at what the absolute bare minimum is and then maybe look at our sort of minimal setups, like the the apps, the things we probably couldn't live without to be efficient as well, as well as just beyond being able to do it, it then the next step to being able to do it well. Because there are things that help. That's a reason it's one of the things that people obsess over. Same with the same as with music. Yeah, as well as do we need a really expensive computer, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Be, yeah, Especially when you're starting out, you might not have much money, so it might be... Which which things do I actually need, and where where should I put my money to get the most benefit? You've started fairly recently, so what did you have when you started? I had a very cheap Windows. Well, fun, shall I tell a story? Oh, go um, on, go on then. <laughs> story time. So when, when I was at university, I did. Um, I used to be a Apple fanboy. Oh, I know where the story's going. This is oh, this is tragic. It's so sad. Yeah. Have you got so a, have you got to... a slow violin? Tiny, tiny violin soundtrack. I could add it. I'll add it in in the background. Don't, don't. Well, add. I can, I can play violin, so I could play along to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to be a sound effects podcast, I don't think. Well, it's up to me, isn't it? Um, so I was at university, and I had my nice MacBook Pro, and then came home from uni one day, and it was gone, along with my window in my bedroom, <laughs> and my iPad, and lots of things. So. As being a lowly student at the time, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to I'm gonna get the cash and just get a really cheap laptop. So I ended up with some Acer, Acer Aspire, but 15-inch, so it was a bigger screen, although the screen was obviously not as good. And when you say cash, that was insurance money, is that right? You were insured? It was. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. insured. So, exactly. so it wasn't a complete tragedy then? It was... No, no, no. But, uh, well, about a year later, I regretted my decision not to uh, <laughs> get replace the Mac like for like. Um, and instead thought, you know what, I'll spend 400 quid and get a cheap computer as well. So that was then. Um, so I've still actually got that laptop and it's what I use when I go to meetups and things like that because I've now got an iMac, which I saved up for. So my Acer, I was running Windows and while I was at uni, because I wasn't doing any coding or anything, it was it was fine for what I needed. But once I started learning to code, I kind of quickly figured out when I was doing some research that a lot of the things that I was looking at in code use unix so it was the back of the operating system is that a good way of talking about unix kernel would be the word i think okay so the kernel um was unix because i tried using is it powershell or something like that on windows and it was horrible yeah i have i have a horrible experience of i i learned to program on them i very quickly in my uni days realized that uh, the music hardware i was using wouldn't work with a windows computer so i blew my student loan um on uh, the cheapest macbook you could possibly get but then it meant everything worked all the plugins and things worked and so I, that's what i learned to code on and then several years later when i was freelancing i did the same thing as you and bought a nice 
iMac um, and then carried on with that. Um, but then when I started my first agency job, I turned up on the first day, my shiny new iMac that they were ordering for me hadn't arrived yet. So I had to spend two days on a Windows machine that was in the corner next to the server cabinet. And I, I said, I couldn't do anything on it because even at that early stage in my career, I was kind of dependent on my limited knowledge of the terminal and or the command line, uh, which trying to find a Unix-like command line in Windows <laughs> is horrible, which is, yeah. So I had my uh, rubbish old laptop with Windows running, and then I thought, you know what, so what I need to do to actually, uh, I thought at the time, I was like, I need to go and buy a uh, Mac so that I can get these uh, this Unix um, kernel. Uh, but I've realized that I could get Lin Linux, Linux, Linux. How do you want to pronounce that? I don't know. I always say Linux, <laughs> but... He is called Linus, so I suppose it should be Linux. Yeah, so got that, and then I installed Linux, Linux. <laughs> be consistent, at least, <laughs> please. <laughs> is installing Linux on a just a, a previously Windows laptop hard? I've always been too scared to try. No, not really. I, all I had to do was get a USB stick. I I did Elementary OS was my flavor of Linux, which is built on Debian, the same thing that is a. I think it's also built on Ubuntu. Ubuntu is built on Debian. Elementary is built on... Yeah, so Debian, I think, is the thing that Raspberryan is built on, which is the Raspberry Pi OS, which is the only experience I've got of Linux, really, is messing around with the Pis. Yeah, yeah, that's where it's used. Um, So I got that, and Elementary OS, I'll put a link in the show notes, but it is very similar to Mac. So if you have a look at it, it's kind of, it's got the bar down the bottom and the time and stuff at the top. So I really liked the feel of it because I'd previously used the mac os um i also upgraded the the best thing i could do that i could spend my money on well i did two things in terms of upgrading it to make it more usable without having to buy a whole new laptop was i got an ssd so a solid state drive which sped it up so much (laughs) and also made it a lot quieter and i guess cool i don't know if it made it cooler but it felt cooler um (laughs) not not cooler as in stylish just the fan the fan wasn't uh spinning up as much Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and got an extra it came with four gigs of ram so i got an extra four gigs there to get eight gigs and then it ran it's it's really good apart from the screen being a bit not great Mm -hmm. resolution and the trackpad is about the size of your thumb um other than that it's actually a pretty quick laptop these days the battery's going obviously but i could always replace it so that's what i used for the first year and yeah the first 12 months of learning to code I, I did it all on that laptop and do you think you could have done it on that laptop had you not made those improvements so had you just had the 400 pound computer that was four years old at the time and then you installed linux on it was that have been enough to do the coding stuff i mean obviously you wanted to upgrade it just generally but could you have coded on the bare basic machine oh yeah i could i definitely could have um it just probably wouldn't have been as nice experience because when you get a solid state drive that like, the first thing you notice is that the computer just starts like that um so that was kind of the, one of the main things everything just felt quicker on it and i didn't have to get a new processor or anything like that i could have just got the solid state drive and i guess once i started using ides and things which we'll talk about later um i guess i did need the extra ram because four gigabytes probably isn't really gonna kick it these days mm-hmm. i think but really what we're saying is that you need just to get your basic start you need a computer and that computer needs to be connected to the internet and then i guess the only other absolutely essential part of that 
equation would be some kind of text editor, something to write code in. Yeah, definitely. That's how you could do it. You don't. I mean, I was going to say you don't need a text editor. But I was going to say you could do it in the terminal. Um, but I'll talk about Vim later as well. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep that conversation shorter. <laughs> but yeah, like you say, computer, internet, text editor, or you definitely need the terminal on the internet. But you could even get get rid of the text editor, just do it in the terminal. That's that's what I used to do. Mm-hmm. So I used to Vim's basically it's just a way of writing files in the terminal. So I would write the file in the terminal. I'd close, I'd save it and close it, and then I'd run it in the same place. And that's what that's what you really need to be able to start learning to code and doing things, as well as maybe you going onto the internet and looking up courses. So we've said the essentials are computer, internet access, and text editor. Now. If we're not going to have just the essentials, I'm sure there's some things that can make our life easier. So, Tom, what sorts of things do you think, now that you've got used to them, uh, what do you what do you find makes you more productive when you're coding, programming? Well, the thing with the biggest that has the biggest impact is knowing keyboard shortcuts, being familiar with the way I'm running around, not having to use trackpad or mouse, just doing everything on the keyboard. And the way that I do that is by using a text editor that I'm familiar with, um, and the one that I use at the moment is uh, VS Code. Um, I've previously used Sublime Text and TextMate and then TextEdit even before that and you know, a whole a whole host of um, different text editors. But um, I think VS Code is probably at the point where you could call it an IDE. So, so what's for those of for those listeners who may not know, um, what is an IDE? It's a something something development environment. Um, <laughs> what does should the we, I stand for we, again? We I can't even Google remember that. <laughs> let me let me Google it. An integrated development environment. So it's basically a text editor with a file manager attached to it and a terminal. Yeah, and it can... Yeah, the general sense is that it is a little bit smarter than you're just writing characters on a screen. It's that what you're... The thing that you're writing in, the app application, knows, understands that language to a certain degree and can then help, like, hint what's coming next and also... Uh, if particularly if you're using methods on on a class, it will point you back to where the class is and and all that kind of stuff, and it can suggest other things. So Visual Studio, I've I've heard of that in the past. Is Visual Studio Code something different? Do you know anything about Visual Studio? <laughs> uh, Visual Studio Studio, I think that comes out of the .NET coding thing, doesn't it? I think there's uh, the whole Microsoft ecosystem, which I've had nothing to do with at all, yeah. and I've avoided for a very long time. But then VS Code was released a little while ago open sourced and all the people that I knew that used to be sublime text fanboys and girls started using VS code and saying how great it was and I ignored them for ages because I knew I knew sublime and I was like oh, I've got my system I know all my shortcuts and then I used started a new job and decided right I'm going to use VS code for this job just to try it out because I'm starting a new new job got a new new machine let's have a go um, and was yeah hooked within a couple of days what was it that hooked you into it because I mean I use it as well but um, I've only had experience with a couple of others, but what is it that about VS Code compared to Sublime Text or whatever? Well, it had everything that Sublime Text has. Um, so everything that I was used to, I could continue to use. It also had, just in terms of like the keyboard shortcuts for moving things around, were just more, they felt more fluid and more ergonomic. And also there's the ecosystem of plugins and extras. So whatever language you're using, it seems, there is a kind of a whole raft of extra things extensions that you can put into your text editor that will do things for you so all so very very quickly i had all the syntax highlighting for all the languages i was using and the important tool which i think is big enough to kind of be its own thing that i could not get by without anymore 
is uh, kind of a, an extension called Prettier, which is a JavaScript formatting tool, which means that it, it's an opinionated tool. Do you, have you had much experience of linting code? Um, I've seen the word pop up at the bottom of VS Code saying something like linter not working or I don't know, something <laughs> like that. Um, but I think it's, is it something to do with telling you how you should lay it out? Yeah, essentially. It's uh, an enforced style guide for your code. So where you put your, I mean, I'm not sure what the equivalent in Python would be. It'd probably be where you put your white space. But in um, JavaScript, particularly when white space is so like non-existent, doesn't mean much. Um, and you can write bad code anywhere you like. Um, a linter is a way of enforcing a certain standard. So saying we always start, we always write a function, and then we put the curl- the opening curly bracket on the same line, or alternatively saying we break down to the next line and then use the curly bracket. It's a way of picking a standard and enforcing it. So then, I mean, a, a traditional linter would be a command line tool that you'd run when you hit save on your code, and or you were committing, and it wouldn't let you push to the master branch or something unless you passed the linter. It would be part of your test suite. Ah, okay, I've not I've not come across that before. Yeah, we've used it that way a lot in the past. Um, but what prettier is is kind of the same kind of thing, but it will just make all the changes for you it will save your when you hit save on your code it will just format it the way it thinks javascript should be formatted so you don't even have to think about the syntax anymore <laughs> or, the, or the not the syntax but the the structure um would you suggest that's a good thing for a beginner to start with because that sounds very useful i like the idea of not having to uh, think about syntax i think it is uh, it's a mixed bag it's good to have to learn the hard way sometimes but the tool's there and it can make your code better by using it. Um, and um, it's specific, specifically useful for when you're working with teams and you want to maintain a standard across multiple different developers writing because everyone writes code in their own kind of way. Um, so it's a way of maintaining standards and meaning that when someone else comes to look at your code, they know what they're looking at. Like, you break that cognitive barrier of like, looking at the code and going, oh, I, I don't even understand what they've written, let alone what it does. Um, it's a way of getting around that so it is really useful i would definitely use it if i was for for juniors coming in i'd say right, you will use all these tools and you will not be allowed to commit to the code base unless you pass all the tests do you think that would lead to laziness in terms of not actually knowing how to write it? if you were suddenly or like your computer broke and you had to go into the back corner onto the windows machine for example mm-hmm. onto a text editor do you think that would then make that that transition harder or do you think it doesn't matter we're always going to have these tools so we might as well just make the most of them i think make the most of them but also when you're using them i mean i'm saving all the time anyway whenever i hit command s boom it's there right in front of me so i get the visual kind of recognition of what good code looks like um so not having to make my own decisions about what is good and what is not in terms of formatting is fantastic because it means then when i come to write code without that around I'm more aware of the diff- of when I write something. They go, "Oh, I was expecting that to get tidied up. That looks wrong." Yeah. Um. I went. I've been doing some PHP work recently, um, just as a little kind of aside at work. And it's I don't have uh, the whatever the equivalent for prettier would be for PHP. I don't know if there is one. Do you feel Do you feel pretty grumpy when you're doing PHP work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just makes me grumpy. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um. But yeah, I don't have any of the tooling set up for PHP, so I do miss it. Um, but it makes you, I think, having used the tooling like that for so long, yeah, I think it's still pretty useful. So there is something similar for Python. It's called Pep8, which basically tells you how to how to lay it out and best practices and Pepe. things like that. Pepe8. Pepe oh, I thought you said Pepe, like the meme. No, Pep. What? I don't know. Is that a rare Pepe? <laughs> Pep8. 
Okay. So it tells you how to lay out the code and things. And my first IDE, actually, my first IDE was Atom. Um, and I think you might have told me about that. Yeah, open um, source, all written in JavaScript, fantastic. I'm not sure you'd call it an IDE. I think it's probably more of just a text, straight text editor, possibly. I don't know. There's a blurry line, I think. Because I would say it's very similar to VS Code, other than the way it looked. Yeah, I would. I probably wouldn't call, like, just out of the box, I wouldn't call VS Code an IDE. Compare it to something like um, PHP Storm by JetBrains, which is genuinely an IDE. Gen- I don't know, this is probably a sign of my PHP, uh, I don't know, um, <laughs> shell, shell shock or whatever, or post-traumatic stress from, from working with PHP. But um, my idea of an IDE is something that takes about 10 minutes to load up. <laughs> so, so VS Code opens really fast, and so does so does Atom. So I think they can't be IDEs because they're far too quick. <laughs> yeah. So after I used Atom, as I did a lot of Python, I did something called PyCharm, also made by JetBrains, and that was fantastic. I would suggest uh, signing up to Humble Bundles because um, uh, sometimes good things for developers come up. PyCharm was on there. I got six months of the professional subscription. Um, and I used that for those six months, and I thought, you know what, I've got this subscription. It's like you, I guess, starting a new job, thinking about VS Code. I thought, I've got this new subscription, I'm going to just work in PyCharm, and it is really good. But like you say, it does take a long time to open, but once you've got it open, leave it open. But there's a, I've got com- commands option L, I guess like your Prettify, it just formats the code for you mm. when you press it and makes sure there's the right spaces between everything and sorts everything out. But it didn't doesn't actually change that much because I kind of got into the good habit of writing it correctly anyway (laughs) Uh, but i think that's like we said before that is a sign of python so i really enjoyed using pycharm but then my professional license ran out and vs code was all the talk so i've i've kind of moved to that i would like to go back to pycharm and you can do uh, other languages in it but that does require the professional subscription i think for the most part to get all the the full features but if you're doing python just python then pycharm is the editor i would use but now because I'm starting to look at websites and use JavaScript and HTML and stuff, it's less less good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's text editors um, done. I think the other thing that I swear by is my alternative command line tool. Um, so I use iterm2, um, which is a fantastic alternative terminal, really. Um, and that just has a few more. It's easier, easier to customize to make it like, look nicer, which is more important than people probably realize. I think being able to have good themes is quite useful because you're staring at this thing all day and you can easily get like eye fatigue. I don't know. Do you not do you not just have a massive black screen with the green text going across it? That, <laughs> that's what I've got. I've just got green numbers falling from the bottom you of just the screen. Got, you got hacker typer the, the whole time. Uh, yeah. Great. So anyway, I'm going to pretend typing uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as I am hacking. Uh, so we were talking about terminals and I also use iterm2. Um, although uh, when I was using Linux, my elementary OS, there's a it's called Pantheon Terminal, and I really enjoyed that. So I've tried, like you say, t- iterm2 is really customizable. So I've just kind of made that look exactly the same as my one on Linux. So that makes makes I don't know. I feel more comfortable, and I guess the more comfortable you feel using something, the more productive you could be with it. And I imagine having a good a terminal that you're comfortable in is more important for you because you use Vim, don't you? Yes, so I started off using Vim, basically just because I was doing some searching or probably reading some forum or something and saw people talk about Vim, so I thought I'd try it out. So if you go to any terminal, I think most of them have got it uh, installed, you just type in Vim Tutor, and then it gives you like a tutorial of how to learn Vim. So there's a very steep learning curve, 
So I wouldn't necessarily suggest it for someone starting out straight away. But I would say fairly early on, if you're interested in it at all, I'd try it out. And if you're interested in it or like the idea of it, then continue it because it's something that is going to, you can kind of add on, you can learn the basics and then every day if you want or something, you can just learn something new. It's kind of, it's an additive process of learning how to use Vim. And it's really good because you can, if you're going into a server or something, then you can use it there. Yeah, and that's previously the only experience I've had of writing code in the terminal is going into a server and and using Nano or something previously. Um, And so I just kind of assumed that Vim was much like that and you've got a terminal window with your file in it and it was all whatever color your terminal was and there was no syntax highlighting and it was gross and you didn't have the file explorer window or any of that (laughs) yeah but uh, i I now work with uh, a team who all use vim quite productively and watching them is amazing i mean i've sat and watched you code and it was agonizing um (laughs) it was was charming yeah well because you're new and i don't think you haven't you haven't ever spent a decent amount of time in an office with people who are all programmers and who will laugh at you every time you don't use like home or new line and all the keep the shortcuts and things um and i know people who've been programming longer get really frustrated watching me code i think that's just a natural order of things <laughs> depending on experience but the people who've been doing it longer are more efficient and do know a lot more um, of how to make the most of the keyboard in their environment um so watching you use vim I wasn't impressed. I didn't want to use. Didn't make me want to use Vim. But seeing other people who've been using it for ten years or whatever um, does make me want to use it because yeah, it just seems really efficient. They can get. They can do everything I can do in an IDE, and they can do it more efficiently and with less yeah overhead and less trouble. Yeah, and what I found I really liked. I because I've said I use VS Code, but what I do is I use I change it so that I'm using the Vim controls to move around and change things. And this has been. I recently watched a video um, of, I'm going to put it in the show notes because I've completely forgotten who it's by or what it was called, but I'll I'll look it up and add it. But it kind of changed my way of thinking about how I used Vim because I'd used it for the last year and um, realized that I'd not been using it correctly, like you say. (laughs) So now it's all about like verbs and things and you just, you chain words together to do things. So if you want to... It just seems like a whole, like a completely alien world to me. Um, Yeah. I know know it's a joke. I know it's a meme, but probably one of my most frequently searched google terms is how to quit vim because i open it sometimes <laughs> accidentally if i'm using a new computer colon q colon q it's, easy. <laughs> yeah, but it's not just colon q because you've got to be in the right place to start and oh it's just horrific and i don't yeah or oh, horrible <laughs> memories of trying to exit vim i feel like i've been trapped yeah. in there for years in the past but one of the, yeah one of the new things i've learned for example is kind of you say c i change in a then you can do brackets, so it'll change everything and it'll just delete everything in the bracket and you're ready to type or change in a string, whatever you want really, or tag if you're working in HTML, change in a TCIT, change everything inside that tag. So it'll just delete everything in the tag and you'll just be ready to write. So once that's kind of sped me up a lot and I think you've got to spend the time to learn it, otherwise you won't be productive in it at all. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's something you've got to do, and I think a good idea is what I do is now when I do something, I think, oh, I've, that took quite a few keystrokes. I then go and Google how to do it. And I guess this circles back round again to having a Unix-based system because all this kind of terminal stuff just comes with Unix. Um, and Mac is a Unix system, uh, Mac OS, and that's another of the things that I couldn't get by without is um, working on a Macintosh. Uh, operating system to be honest even particularly now that the new machines are getting a little bit more flaky and not as reliable as they were before 
the important thing to me is the operating system. I'm not. I like that they have nice screens and that they're really nicely designed out of nice nice aluminium, and that they have high powered stuff. And you get you get one that's top of the line. It's got all the things, and you can. It's got all the powerful processors and all that kind of stuff, which is really useful. Loads of RAM, really useful. Loads of memory, really useful. But not essential. The essential thing is the operating system for me. If I was sort of out on the streets and needed to get back into coding, starting from nothing, one of my first objectives would be to be able to get Mac OS in some form or other, even if it's just a little um, Mac Mini somewhere plugged into an awful display. That would be that would be enough. Interesting, because I find the display affects my work rate actually quite a lot. I yeah. I feel like I really need a big screen, so that's why I went out and bought a. A 27 inch iMac once I'd saved up a bit for it because I especially on my laptop I, I just felt really cramped and especially when I'm trying to like uh, have a tutorial video on one screen and I've got my ID taking up the other half of the screen I just found that I didn't have enough real estate on the screen to do it but now now I've got this big 5k screen in front of me it's fantastic and I'd feel I don't know if I am faster I haven't tested it but I feel like I'm getting more done just because I can have everything up on the screen so for example now I've got you on the, I've got a little picture of you on the video I've got my show notes I've got logic to check everything's working I've got uh, slack down here and I've got yeah I can see everything at once whereas if I was on a 15 inch screen it would not be as easy yeah I, I could see the appeal of a big big screen i've used i've worked at places where i've had to use a 27 inch imac before and that's been great um my preference though is two screens um uh, so i generally i like the portability of a laptop so i generally have a 15 inch laptop um and being able to split over two screens i find suits my brain better so i use multiple desktops as well you know the spaces thing on the mac where you do a four finger swipe and then you've got loads of things um loads of full screen apps i like things being full screen I know there are a lot of people that don't like that, but I love it. Um, so I'll generally be looking at, I'll have two screens, each one will have a full screen application on it and I'll swipe between. And my terminal will have multiple panes as well. I generally have IDE and terminal on one place and then the, maybe the design document I'm working from or something on one, one other space, which then swipes between the browser with the dev tools open. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't, think I, could, I don't think I could swipe between things like that i used to maybe i have like when i've got itunes on or something i might have that off onto a second space um but i like to have everything like a a beautiful mosaic on my screen well i like i like the same principle but i like the mosaic to be made out of physical screens (laughs) so so (laughs) if i could have six screens in a grid i would like that but once you have to start messing around with window management i mean oh i mean one of the first the things i first download on any new computer is an app called moom M-O-O-M, which is a window manager where you rather than just minimize and expand or full screen as an option on the little green when you hover over the green button um, yeah it gives you like a grid so you can drag things and you can snap to edges and like, you can okay. make a nice little you can build that, was, that beautiful mosaic that is the one thing i miss from coming from a windows environment is the nice snapping of apps i'll try out try out moom give it a go i'll 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 make a note of that but I think that kind of covers all the things that are absolutely essential, isn't it? I've got a lot in my notes about um, learning resources, um, so that being online and having access to people to learn from. Um, but I think that's probably a big enough topic to be its own show, I think. Yeah, I think there's probably a lot we could say about the the resources that we've learned from. So should we draw a line under this one and say, yeah, we've covered the things that we think are essential tool-wise, and then the next one will be learning resources? Yeah, I think that's... That's a good idea. Yeah, and we've got a week to come up with a way of phrasing that in a question. (laughs) (laughs) 
And talking of that, if you've got any of your own questions that you'd like us to ramble on about for a bit, um, please do either email us. So we're a question of code at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at AQO code. So any questions or anything like that, we would be more than happy to receive them and maybe use them for uh, one of our upcoming episodes. Yeah. And I don't know what your attitude to email is, but if it comes, if I get emails, I tend to not reply, but if I get something on Twitter, I will always reply. Twitter is a much better medium for me. Yeah, I do not mind email or Twitter. I, pref- I, to be honest, I probably prefer email. So, oh well, there we go. Email me, Twitter, tweet Tom. And if you're enjoying the show, please do subscribe. Uh, we said last week that we're not too fussed about uh, reviews and things. Apparently, they do help. So, write reviews if you can. But we are watching the subscri- subscriber number, and that's exciting, and it keeps us keeps us going. So, keep doing that. Um, and thank you to everyone who has already. Um, and tell your friends. Keep spreading the word. We're, we're new and we're growing and we're really enjoying it. And yeah, long may it continue. Yes, long may it continue. And we'll probably continue it anyway, if you're listening or not. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, see you next week. Bye. Bye.